Shahud Ta'awud and Surah Al-Fatiha As the Khalifa Al-Masih V may Allah be his help stated Incidents from the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq may Allah be pleased with him were being mentioned The rank Hazrat Abu Bakr may Allah be pleased with him held in the eyes of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him has already been mentioned and further details have been presented in this regard as well From these details it becomes evident that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, wanted to appoint Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, as his successor. As a matter of fact, he indicated that Allah the Almighty would appoint Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, as his caliph and successor. As such, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to her during his days of illness, Bring Abu Bakr and your brother to me, so that I may have something written down. I fear that a desirous person may express his desire, or that someone may say that they are more deserving. However, Allah and the believers will reject anyone besides Abu Bakr. In other words, if another person makes this claim, then they will be rejected, and Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, alone will become the successor. Then there is a narration of Hazrat Hudayfa bin Yaman, may Allah be pleased with him. He has related that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, I do not know how long I will remain amongst you. Therefore obey me and those who will follow me. At that moment he pointed towards Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar, may Allah be pleased with them. Hazrat Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, related that I heard the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, say, Once I was asleep and saw myself at a well in which there was a bucket. I drew as much water from this well as Allah desired. Ibn Abi Kuhafa then took hold of this bucket and drew one or two buckets of water. But there was weakness in his pull. Allah will conceal this weakness of his and pardon him. Thereafter, this bucket turned into a large one made of leather. And Ibn al-Khattab took hold of it. I have never seen anyone with such great strength who could extract the water in the same manner as Umar. He extracted such a large amount that everyone drunk to their fill and sat down in their lodgings. In other words, he mentioned that both Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, would be his successors. The details of the conduct and moral excellences of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, in relation to the incident of Ifk, that is the great calumny, have already been stated while mentioning previous companions. At present, 
I would like to mention only a brief account, which makes it absolutely clear that although an allegation, one that could rend the mountains asunder, was leveled against Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, the love and honor her parents had for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was far greater than their love for her. This reached the extent that during this entire period, and for a long time, they left their daughter in the same state in which the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, considered appropriate for her to remain in. So much so, that when Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, came to the house of her parents on one occasion, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, immediately sent her back home. As such, it is recorded in Sahih al-Bukhari that during this incident of ifk, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, received permission from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and went to her father's house along with a servant. Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, relates, I entered the house and saw my mother, Ummi Rumman, at the rear end of the house, and Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, on the upper floor. He was reciting the Qur'an. My mother said, My dear daughter, what brings you here? I informed her of the entire incident. Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, says, What I saw was that she, i.e. her mother, was not as astounded upon hearing the incident as I was. I thought that upon hearing the incident, she would be shocked. Her mother replied, My dear daughter, do not think much of this matter. For by Allah, there is rarely a time when a beautiful woman is married to a person who loves her dearly and that her husband also has other wives and they do not get jealous of her or abstain from making things up about her. As Aisha Melabhizatha says, I saw that my mother was not affected by this incident as much as I was. Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, asked, Does my father know about this incident? She replied in the affirmative. Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, then asked her mother, What about the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him? She replied, Yes, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also knows. Hazrat Aisha says, Upon hearing this, tears began to flow and I started to cry. When Hazrat Abu Bakr heard my cries, he came down from the upper floor where he was reciting the Qur'an and asked my mother, What has happened to her? She replied, She has heard the things that have been said about her. Upon this, Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, also began to cry and said, My beloved daughter, I say to you on oath, please return back to your home. Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, says that she then returned home. With regards to the heinous plot in the incident of Ifk, i.e. the great calumny, and the virtues of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, states, We should ponder over who were those people whom the hypocrites or their leaders would gain benefit from by their slander And who were those people against whom they wished to take out their enmity? Hazrat Muslim may Allah be pleased with him, states, Even from a cursory glance, one will realize that the enmity was directed towards two people, one of whom was the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the other being Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Because she was the wife of one, and the daughter of the other. Both these personalities were such that by defaming them, some people would benefit from it politically, economically, or to fuel the enmity, or that the goals of certain people depended upon slandering them. Otherwise, to simply defame Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, alone, was of no interest to anyone. At the most, the only parties interested in this could have been the other wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It could have been that seizing the opportunity to degrade Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, 
and increase their own repute in the eyes of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The other wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, could have taken part in this issue. However, history bears testimony to the fact that none of the other wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took part in the calumny. On the contrary, in her own testimony, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, says that among the wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the only one she considered a rival to her was Hazrat Zainab, may Allah be pleased with her. Aside from her, she did not consider any other wife to be a rival to her. However, Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, says, I will never forget the beneficence of Zainab upon me. When this allegation was levelled against me, the one person who strongly refuted it was Hazrat Zainab, may Allah be pleased with her. Hence, if anyone could have any personal resentment against Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, then it could have only been the other wives of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And if they wished, they could have partaken in the slander. So that Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, would be degraded in the eyes of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And by means of this, they could have elevated their own standing. However, history attests to the fact that the other wives did not involve themselves in the matter at all. If any of them were asked, they only commended Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her. It is recorded regarding another wife that when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, mentioned the matter to her, she said, I have found nothing but good in Aisha. If there could have been any potential for enmity against Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, it would have been from the other wives. However, their involvement in the matter cannot be established. Furthermore, there is no reason for men to harbour enmity against women. Thus, this allegation against her was either because of enmity against the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or enmity against Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. There was no way for the proponents of this allegation to snatch away the status granted to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. However, what they feared was that even after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, they would be unable to fulfill their objectives. They saw that if anyone was capable of being a successor to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it was Abu Bakr. They saw this as a threat and thus created an allegation against Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, so that she would fall out of favour in the Holy Prophet's sight, as a result of which the stature of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, among the Muslims would also diminish. The Muslims would begin thinking ill of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and would abandon the love that they had for him, thereby closing the door for Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, to become the Khalifa after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, continues, just as in the time of the first Caliph of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the Pegamis would create allegations against me in constant attempts to slander me. It is for this very reason that after mentioning the incident of the calumny against Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, God Almighty also mentions Khilafat. It is clearly stated in the Hadith that in their conversations with each other, the companions would say that if anyone held a rank after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it was Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Then it is recorded in the Ahadith that once a person came to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and said, O Messenger of Allah, fulfill such and such need of mine. He replied, Not now, return later. He was a Bedouin and was unacquainted with the principles of civility and politeness, and bluntly said, You are human after all. If you have passed away by the time I return, then what should I do? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, If I am no longer in this world, then go to Abu Bakr. He will fulfill your needs. Similarly, it is mentioned in the Hadith that once the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, O Aisha, I wish to appoint Abu Bakr after me. However, I know that Allah and the believers will not be content with anyone but him which is why I do not say anything. Thus the companions naturally understood that if anyone from among them possessed any rank after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it was Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and he alone was fit to become the Khalifa.
Life in Makkah was such that the custodianship of government was not even plausible. But in Medina, after the arrival of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, his rule was established. And naturally, this question arose among the hypocrites because upon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's arrival, many of their hopes were foiled. When Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul realized that any possibility of him coming into power was dwindling, he was infuriated, and although he had apparently assimilated among the Muslims, he always tried to fracture Islam. Seeing as there was nothing else he could do, the only remaining desire he could have was to become the ruler of Medina after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him's demise. However, as soon as worldly leadership came about among the Muslims and they saw a new order, they began asking the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, various questions regarding the manner of Islamic governance. What would be the state of Islam after him? And what should the Muslims do? When Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul saw this happening, he grew fearful because the Islamic rule would be established in such a way that he would have no part in it. He wished to stop this from happening. And when he pondered over it, he realized that if there was anyone who could establish an Islamic government based on Islamic principles, it was Abu Bakr. And after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the Muslims looked towards him they regard him in higher esteem than all others. Hence, he saw his own benefit in slandering him and defaming him in the sights of others, even in the sight of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He found the opportunity to do this when Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, was left behind whilst returning from a war. And that wretched person levelled an abhorrent allegation which has been hinted towards in the Holy Quran. And it is mentioned with detail in the Ahadith. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul's aim was the humiliation of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, in the public eye and to sour his relationship with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, thereby hindering the establishment of an institution which he saw to be inevitable. He could see that it was bound to happen. Its establishment would completely ruin all his hopes. It was not only Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul who dreamed of leadership after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Rather, there were also others steeped in this illness. Hypocrites always perceive their own death to be far off, yet they estimate the demise of others as such. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul considered his own death to be in the distant future. Little did he know that he would die a distressful death during the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He would conjecture that after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he would become the king of Arabia. However, he realized that Muslims professed to Abu Bakr's virtue, piety and esteem. If the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, did not lead prayer, then Abu Bakr would lead the prayer in his stead. If one was unable to seek an edict from the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the Muslims would seek the edict from Abu Bakr. Realizing this, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul became extremely worried about his hopes for future leadership, and so he sought to remove this worry. Hence, in order to remove it and to diminish the renown and esteem of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, in the sight of the Muslims, he created an allegation against Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, so that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would develop an aversion to Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her. 
As a result of developing an aversion for Hazrat Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, he sought to diminish Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him's honour, in the sight of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and all Muslims, thereby halting any chance of him becoming the Khalifa. This same matter has been mentioned by Allah the Almighty in the Holy Quran when he says, that is, verily those who brought forth the lie against Hazrat are a party of so-called Muslims from among you. However, Allah the Almighty also states, That is, think it, i.e. this allegation, not to be an evil for you. Nay, it is good for you and a means of success. He continues to say that Allah the Almighty establishes the principles for Khilafat and states that the hypocrites can try their utmost. They will remain unsuccessful and we will certainly establish Khilafat because Khilafat is a part of prophethood and is a means of safeguarding the divine light. As the Muslim Allah states, Observe how from the beginning of Surah Nur till the end, the same subject matter is being mentioned. First, the calumny against Hazrat is mentioned. And seeing as the actual reason for this calumny against her was to humiliate Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and to ruin his relationship with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and subsequently diminish his honour in the sights of the Muslims, so that he would not become the Khalifa after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon his demise. Because Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul had realized that if the Muslims had looked towards anyone after the Holy Prophet, it was Abu Bakr. And if Khilafat was established through Abu Bakr, then Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul's dreams of leadership would never be fulfilled. Therefore, right after mentioning this allegation, Allah the Almighty mentions Khilafat and says that Khilafat is not a monarchy. Rather, it is a means of maintaining the divine light, which is why its establishment rests in the hands of Allah the Almighty. For it to falter would mean the ruin of the light of prophethood and the divine light. Hence, he will certainly establish this light. And after prophethood, he will never allow the establishment of a monarchy and will appoint whoever he chooses as the Khalifa. In fact, he promises that he will not just make one, but will grant the mantle of Khilafat to many from among the Muslims, and will thus extend the era of enlightenment. This matter is just as the first Caliph, may Allah be pleased with him, used to describe, that Khilafat is not like soda from Kayseri's shop, which anyone can drink. Similarly, Allah states that if you wish to create allegations, then go ahead. You cannot erase Khilafat, nor can you hinder Abu Bakr from becoming the Khalifa, because Khilafat is a light. This light is one of the manifestations of Allah, and no human effort can erase it. Then he says that the light of Khilafat can be found in other homes as well, and no human can stop its manifestation through their own efforts or ploys. In any case, he covered the topic of Khilafat in the sermon which he delivered. The status of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and the practical testimony given by Allah the Almighty necessitated that after prophethood the institution of Khilafat would remain, as prophesied by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and so it did. Thereafter, if there was monarchy, it was something that happened later, then in accordance with the promise of Allah the Almighty, the institution was re-established through the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. With regards to Hazrat Abu Bakr's, may Allah please with him, humility and meekness, Hazrat Sa'id bin Musayyib narrates that once the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was sitting in a gathering with some of his companions. When someone began disputing with Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be peace with him, and caused him distress. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, remained silent. That person again caused him distress 
upon which Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, remained silent. After being discourteous towards Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, a third time, Hazrat Abu Bakr retaliated. When Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, retaliated, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stood up. Hazrat Abu Bakr humbly submitted, O Prophet of Allah, are you angry with me? The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, <clears throat> There was an angel that descended from the heavens, who was denying all that he, i.e. the other man, said against you. When you retaliated, Satan appeared, and I do not remain seated in gatherings intruded by Satan. Furthermore, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, stated, O Abu Bakr, there are three things that are true for everyone. Firstly, a person who is wronged by means of something and shows forgiveness is honoured by Allah through his help. Secondly, a person who gives gifts in an effort to better and improve relationships, Allah increases their wealth for them thereby. Thirdly, one who adopts begging as a means to amass wealth, Allah decreases their wealth and causes a shortage thereby. Whilst mentioning the qualities of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, He possessed complete understanding. He was enlightened about Allah. He was forbearing. He had an exceptionally benevolent nature and he spent his life with humility and simplicity. He was exceedingly forgiving and an embodiment of kindness and mercy. He was known and recognized for the light visible on his face. He had a deep connection with the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and his soul was bound to the soul of the best of all, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The light which enveloped his leader and master and beloved of God, i.e. the Holy Prophet, also enveloped him. He was shaded beneath the wondrous shadow of the light of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And his grand blessings. He was distinguished amongst all for his understanding of the Quran and his love for the leader of all prophets and the pride of humankind, i.e. the Holy Prophet. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When heavenly wonders and divine secrets were unfolded before him, he severed all worldly ties, threw aside his physical relationships, and took on the character of his beloved. He discarded all his desires for the sake of the singular divine being and was purified of all physical impurities, taking on the colour of the one true God. He became absorbed in the majesty of the Lord of all the worlds and when true divine love began to flow in his every vein and establish itself in the depths of his heart and in every particle of his being and when his every word and action, his reason to sit or stand began to manifest this light then he was christened with the name Siddiq. Thus, among the abundance of novel and deep knowledge that he bestowed, the best of what he received was from the court of God. Honesty was a quality deeply ingrained in him and a distinctive trait of his nature. It was this very honesty and light that emanated from his every word, action, movement, pause, sense and breath. He was included amongst those upon whom blessings were bestowed by the Lord of the heavens and the earth. He was a beautiful piece from the book of prophethood and was Imam of distinguished saints and the courageous youth. He was amongst a select few who possessed a nature, the likes of the prophets. Furthermore, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Do not take these words as an exaggeration or a form of warm treatment or reverence, nor consider them as words flowing out from the fountain of love. In reality, this is a truth revealed to me from the court of Lord of Honour. In respect to the status of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, and the many aforementioned praises, 
The Promise Messiah, peace be upon him, says that Allah the Almighty revealed these qualities and traits to him directly. Moreover, the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, states, Hazrat Abu Bakr's drink was the water of faith in God, and he would rely less on any other means. As far as morals are concerned, he was a reflection of our Prophet and Master, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he held an eternal affinity to the best of creation, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It was owing to this that in just a brief moment he attained from the blessings of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, what others could not attain in lengthy periods and in far-off continents. In regard to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, being amongst the 14 companions of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, there is a narration of Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him. He narrates, The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, once said, Surely every Prophet has been given seven noble companions. Or he simply said companions. However, I have been given 14. We asked him who they were. He replied, You and your two sons, i.e. Hazrat Ali and his two sons, Hazrat Jafar, Hazrat Hamza, Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Musab bin Umair, Hazrat Bilal, Hazrat Salman, Hazrat Ammar, Hazrat Miqdad, Hazrat Hudayfa, and Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood, may Allah be pleased with them all. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, was also once given the leadership of the Hajj, i.e. pilgrimage delegation, by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In this regard, it is recorded that in the year 9 Hijri, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, appointed Hazrat Abu Bakr as the Amir al-Hajj, i.e. the leader of the Hajj, and sent him towards Mecca. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, returned from the Battle of Tabuk, he desired to perform Hajj. He was told that the polytheists also performed the pilgrimage amongst everyone else, chant polytheistic chants, and circumambulate the Kaaba naked. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, abandoned his desire to perform Hajj that year, and sent Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, as the leader of Hajj. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, departed from Medina with a party of 300 companions. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also sent 20 sacrificial animals with them and adorned them with a neck piece to mark them for sacrifice. Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, himself took five animals for sacrifice. According to the narration, Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, announced the opening verses of Surah Tawbah during this Hajj. The details of this were presented in a sermon about Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, and in the initial mention about Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. Nonetheless, I will briefly mention it here. When Surah Bara'a, that is Surah Tawbah, was revealed to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he had already sent off Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, as the leader of Hajj. It was humbly submitted to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. O Prophet of Allah, perhaps you should send this chapter to Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, so that they may recite it there. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, replied, No one can fulfill this obligation except for a member of my household. Thereupon the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, summoned Hazrat Ali and said, Take the beginning of Surah At-Tawbah, and on the day of the sacrifice, when the people have gathered at Mina, announce that no disbeliever shall enter paradise, and no polytheist will be permitted to perform Hajj in the future. Nor will anyone be permitted to circumambulate the Kaaba unclothed. Moreover, any covenant made by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to anyone, will be duly fulfilled. Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, departed with this instruction. En route, he encountered Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him. When Hazrat Abu Bakr saw or encountered Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, he asked, Have you been appointed the leader or will you follow my lead? Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, asked Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, replied, I will follow your leadership. Thus, the two continued on their journey. Hazrat Ali said, I am under your leadership, but I will be the one to recite these verses. Nevertheless, Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, oversaw the people performing the Hajj. And that year, the Arabs set up their camp in the same place that they would during the period of ignorance. 
When the day of sacrifice arrived, Hazrat Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, stood up and made the announcement he was instructed to make by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. As I have mentioned, the details of this occurrence have already been stated. This mention of Hazrat Abu Bakr, may Allah be pleased with him, will continue in due course. God willing. At this time, I would like to speak about a few deceased members. The first, it respected Muhammad Daud Zafar Sahib, who was a missionary serving in the Rakim press and was a son of Chaudhary Muhammad Yusuf Sahib. He passed away on the 16th of November at the age of 48. Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. His funeral prayers will be offered in person. God willing, I will lead his funeral prayers following the Friday prayers. In 1998, he completed the Shahid course from Jami Ahmadiyya Rabwa. Thereafter, he served as a missionary in various places. In 2001, he came here to England and was posted to the Rakim Press in Islamabad. He very passionately rendered services. He had a deep bond of love with Khilafat. Whilst living in Islamabad, he also had the opportunity of serving as a Sadr, i.e. President of the Jamaat in Islamabad. He also had the honour of performing the Umrah. He was a Musi. He is survived by his parents, wife, three sons and a daughter. His father, Chaudhry Yusuf Sahib, says, When I encouraged Daud to become a missionary, he completely obeyed this desire of mine. Some people told him, that if he was to strive just as much in seeking secular knowledge, then he would be able to find much better employment and improve the financial circumstances in his home. However, Dawood Sahib disregarded such suggestions straight away. From becoming a Shahid missionary up until his demise, he upheld his work for a life devotion with loyalty. He was a very obedient son. His father further states, he would obey everything I say and never denied me. He always desired to give me peace of mind. Despite facing financial problems, he never once thought of abandoning his work. He further says, During his education in Jamia, he would not even have enough money to repair a punctured tyre on his bicycle due to financial constraints. He would inflate his tyre at home and manage to reach Jamia and would do the same upon his return. He never once complained or lamented. He was a missionary who was obedient to the Khalifa of the time and understood his desire. His wife, Mubarak Sahiba, says, Our relationship lasted 22 years. He was very tender-hearted, hard-working, had complete and utter trust in God and selflessly helped and served others. There were many instances during our life when something seemed apparently impossible and I would question what could be done. He would say to trust Allah and that everything would be alright. And by the grace of Allah, this would transpire. He would always advise the children to become good humans and that they should never be a cause of pain to others. She continues, He would seat the children and tell them that whatever he has achieved has only been possible because of his connection with Khilafat and because of the community. It was always his aspiration that Allah enables him to duly fulfill his Waqf-i dedication. His daughter Dharmana Sahiba says, He only desired one thing from us, that we become good Ahmadi Muslims, to look after those around us, and to never be a source of pain for anyone. His eldest son Rohan says, My father was always concerned for our spiritual upbringing. Whenever we asked a question, as a missionary he would always try to answer in light of the Holy Quran and in religious terms. His youngest son Fuad Dawood who is 15 years old, says, In the final days of his illness, when he was suffering from cancer, it became very intense. And in those final days, he told me that he would have wanted to see me live a beautiful life. But even though Allah wills otherwise, I am pleased with his desire. In any case, he would always admonish his children to do good and to develop a bond with the community and with Khilafat. May Allah enable them to act upon his advice and may he accept his supplications for them. Be they life devotees, workers or missionaries, 
Everyone has generally written that Dawood Sahib was a very cheerful, sociable, charming and popular individual and that he was very skilled in his profession in computer and artwork. He was a missionary but his mind was also very sharp in technical tasks and in editing etc. He carried out great work in the Rakim press and he had the wonderful opportunity to utilize his skills. He always saw services to the community a means of honor for himself. A relative has written that he would help others in secret. He would quietly help those in need and his relatives financially. May Allah grant him forgiveness and mercy. May he grant his children patience and forbearance, enable them to carry out his good deeds and grant his parents patience and forbearance. The second funeral prayer, there are two in absentia, the first of which is of Rukayya Shamim Bushra Sahiba, wife of the previous missionary in Spain, Karam Ilahi Zafar Sahib. She also passed away a few days ago. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. She was born in Qadian in 1932. By the grace of Allah Almighty, she was a Musia. She had the honour of serving as a Sadr Lajna in Spain for a number of years. She has three sons and three daughters. One of her grandsons, Ataul Muna Imtariq, is a life devotee who is serving as the in charge of the central Spanish desk. One of her granddaughters is also married to a missionary. Two of her sons are active in their services to faith. By the grace of Allah Almighty, and her elder son is serving as the Naib Amir. Rukayya Sahiba's paternal grandfather was Molvi Fakhruddin Sahib and her grandmother was Bibi Sahiba, who were originally from Pira. In the time of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, they migrated to Qadian after pledging their allegiance. Her maternal grandfather was Abdul Rahim Sahib, who was from Ajmer. He was originally a Sikh, but then he had the honour of pledging allegiance at the hand of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. He too migrated to Qadian to study after pledging his allegiance. In this way, her grandparents on both sides were companions of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him. In relation to Rukayya Sahiba, her son writes, she had a special connection with Dawatul Amir and had read it a number of times. She would say that after reading this book, many of the questions and doubts in her mind would be answered. She had a deep affection for prayer from the age of 12. She would supplicate to Allah Almighty to keep her on the paths of faith and on the right path. She would pay great attention in observing the parda. She was an example for the women of the community. She had compassion for the sick and the needy and was ever ready to help them in every way possible. In the early days after arriving in Spain with Molana Sahib, she had to face great tribulations in Spain. Due to his preaching efforts, the police would often detain him or raid his home. The police would search for evidence of his outreach activities. But by the grace of Allah, she remained firm in her conviction, just like her husband, that in the end, Allah Almighty would certainly come to their aid and remove all their difficulties. When Hazrat Khalifatul Masih III, may Allah have mercy on him, instructed Mawlana Sahib to find a suitable land in Cordoba to construct a mosque. She also assisted in this to the best of her abilities. Her son then writes, when the construction of Masjid Bashar commenced, she would travel almost every day with her husband by bus, etc., from Cordoba to Pedrabad to inspect the construction work and its progress. She had the records of all the expenditures and she served as an accountant for the construction of the mosque. Hassan Fazlullahi Kamar says, My mother always bore in mind the instructions of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II, may Allah be pleased with him. He instructed her, Always keep your duties in mind and counsel your husband. You are going to a country where you must not allow your husband to become slack in his outreach efforts. Rather, you should make him even more active therein. You shall have plenty of time together after passing away. Therefore, based upon this, you must strive to make these days of your life in your work 
as beneficial as possible. As it were, she continued to act upon these instructions and no matter the circumstances, she always acted with patience and forbearance with the pleasure of Allah Almighty in mind. The initial days were extremely difficult, yet she endured them with great fortitude and she always gave precedence to her faith over the world. Whilst acting upon the instructions of Hazrat Muslim, may Allah be pleased with him, she set an example in such a European country where it was a crime to even utter the name of Islam. She played a distinct role in the propagation of Ahmadiyyat in Spain. May Allah Almighty grant her forgiveness and mercy and elevate her rank. May Allah enable her children to continue her good deeds. The third mention of respected Tahira Hanif Sahiba, who was the daughter of Sayyid Zainul Abidin Waliullah Shah Sahib and the wife of the late Mirza Hanif Ahmed Sahib, who was the son of Hazrat Muslim may Allah be pleased with him. She also passed away recently. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. By the grace of Allah, the Almighty, she was a Musia. As I mentioned, she was the daughter-in-law of Hazrat Muslim may Allah be pleased with him. And she was my maternal aunt. She was born in 1936 in Qadian. As I mentioned, her father was Sayyid Zainul Abidin Waliullah Shah Sahib, who wrote the commentary of Bukhari which comprises many volumes. He was a great scholar and spent time in the Arab countries. Tahra Begum Sahiba's mother's name was Sayyida Sayyara Sahiba. She was originally from Damascus and was an Arab. Ahmadiyyat entered the family of the deceased through her paternal grandfather, Dr. Sayyid Abdul Sattar Shah Sahib. May Allah be pleased with him who did the bed at the hands of the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in 1901. Allah the Almighty guided the entire family, the children and the elders as well, through dreams and thus strengthened their faith. Hazrat Dr. Sayyid Abdul Sattar Shah Sahib, may Allah be pleased with him, was the maternal grandfather of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fourth, may Allah have mercy on him. And so she was his cousin. Respected Tahira Sahiba served as a secretary Islahu Ishad for Lajna Imaullah Rabwa from 1972 to 1990. She also spent some years in Sierra Leone along with her husband, who was a work of Zindagi, i.e., a life devotee. Allah the Almighty bestowed them with three daughters and a son. Her elder daughter, Amatul Mu'min, says, Aside from the five daily prayers, we observed that our mother was very regular in offering the Tahajjud prayer, observing the fasts and reciting the Holy Qur'an. In fact, she would also offer the Ishraq prayer, as well a voluntary prayer offered after the sun has risen. She would always keep to her routine. She would carry out all her work in a loving and diligent manner, and this was also the case with her worship. She further says, I would be amazed as to how she was able to fulfill all other tasks in addition to this, for example, fulfilling the rights of her in-laws, the rights of the neighbours, looking after our father, preparing the food for the children and passionately serving the guests. She had great love for the community and had a sincere bond with every Khalifa in her lifetime. She was extremely loyal to Khilafat. She would be particularly mindful of paying her wasiyat. She would always advise others to write to His Holiness. And she would say that after writing to the Khalifa of the time, one feels a sense of contentment. She would also write to me regularly. In fact, after every sermon, I would receive letters from her and she would express her thoughts about its various aspects and would mention those points which she particularly liked. She never expressed any words of complaint and if ever something was said like this in which we were present, she would tell us that there was no need to engage in such talk as she always found that such people always incurred their own loss as a result of it and gained no benefit from it. As I mentioned, that she had an extraordinary bond with Khilafat. She greatly looked after the poor. Akhdar Sahib wrote to me 
that their father left their mother and them. And so the deceased gave them a place in her house and looked after them like her own children and took care of all their needs, including food and drink, clothes, studies, and did not let them feel affected by the circumstances. May Allah the Almighty always grant her his forgiveness and mercy. May he grant her station in the company of her elders and enable her children to continue her good. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, Nastainu, Nastafiru, Wanominu, Wanatawakalu, Wanauzu, وَمَنْ يُضْلِلُّ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَنَشْهَدُ اللَّهَ إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَنَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ إِبْعَادَ اللَّهِ رَحِمُكُمُ اللَّهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَعْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِسَانِ وَيَتَائِذِ الْقُرْبَى وَيَنْهَى عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغْيِ يَعِظُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ اذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَادْعُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ ولا ذكر الله أكبر